Yeah, the first place. Yeah. Right. We had one single we didn't record that, that's about it. It works well with us. Uh, kind of collaborative, always kind of reinventing what we want to do. Don't really have a set. I don't want to keep talking about it off camera. Oh, we're not even on camera. Yeah, actually. We're rolling. Oh, we're rolling. Oh, I shit. slyly pressed record. All right. I'll do the <laughs> intro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Slims Presents podcast, a.k.a. Between You, Me, and Jose. My name is Chris. I'm your host. Next to me, co-host Donnell. What's up, world? And we are here uh, today with our special guest, the band, Guy Fox. You guys are uh, operating out of operating out of Oakland right now. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, three three quarters of us live in Oakland. We do practice in San Francisco, though. We're an Oakland band. <laughs> we practice in the Tenderloin in probably the sketchiest block I've ever set foot in. Like you were by the shootings. You were on like yeah. the, over there by Turk and stuff. We're yeah, we're Turk. Which one? <laughs> like six people got shot yesterday or something. Holy Ooh. shit! Dude, <laughs> I, I think we might have almost shots. loaded out. Was it in like the daytime or nighttime? Uh, I think it was the afternoon. Oh wow! Over a dice game. Oh, Damn, well, that'll happen. Yeah, right. Yeah. It was funny. We oh, finished man. practice one Tuesday night early. Normally we finish at like ten thirty, but there's a like a stabbing. At ten, and we had left at nine thirty, just before yeah. it. And like literally, the next block up, it was all over the papers. We're like, like we're like in between Aunt Charlie's bar, which is an amazing bar. An amazing bar. Yeah, I love it. And but don't wait. Hold no on. cell phones. We're gonna edit that out because you can't tell people about Aunt Charlie's. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> then everybody goes, and then it, it gets ruined. <laughs> <laughs> You can't stop progress, and the other, and the other side, other side is uh, is. SF Drug Users Needle Exchange, which oh, yeah. I think we should tell everyone about, because right, if yeah. they Go need that, you know, fresh, right clean needles, don't share needles. And yes. then, like, there are, like, four people pooping in the street between mm. those two places. Cool. Welcome to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> so, uh, you guys uh, moved out here from Maine, is that right? Is, are, is everybody from Maine? Nate's we, uh, the only one actually from Maine, but we all... Okay. Did go to school there. Yeah, we're all East Coasters of different descriptions, for sure. The three of us went to college together in Maine, uh, and we moved out here afterwards, and then we met Charlie, his his actually first night ever in San Francisco, and he was just... Were you turning up? Turning <laughs> up, getting wild? What? Yeah. Oh, I was turning oh, yeah. up. Oh, man. No, he was, like, up oh. to 11. Charlie, I'm not sure if he actually remembers meeting us, but we remember meeting him. He's uh, like, oh, that guy right. plays bass. Like, yeah. that's cool. We should <laughs> yeah, we were texting him the next day. Who's this? What? It's funny. Nate is still in my uh, phone as Nate drums because I was so and drunk I couldn't remember what instrument. He does not play the drums. But uh, <laughs> the, the craziest thing was is that Nate's from Maine. These guys all went to college in Maine. And I went to a rival college in Maine. Ooh. And we didn't meet until we were out here. Literally my first night. Huh. Wow. Uh, and these guys were like, oh, we've been talking about trying to play some music together. Peter was in another band at the time. They're like, oh, we're trying to get Peter in. And so we went to some music studio where you could just like rent a room by the hour. Oh, and we played the like a couple hours and then immediately I was like, I want to play with these guys if they will have me. <laughs> what was the name of that place? That place was... Plug and Play. Plug, Plug and play. play. Plug and play. Right and on I remember you, you were like, 
I mean, you've since like built yourself up to be a self-made man, but since, but like at that time you were you were living with you were living with your aunt and uncle, right? In like a in like an in-law. I was a broke ass motherfucker. Stolen. You you were like stealing your cousin's bass to come to rehearsals, yeah. which didn't and have it, a case. No <laughs> case uh, in the bass. Like, 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 you would roll on P Polk Street with just like this weird like white bass with like all these like. Like drawings on it. Oh yeah, and, and some some cable made in China that like didn't have an, a a name on it, and the white base that I had was probably like a low end Ibanez that got like changed to make it cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> and my cousin had drawn all these things on it, so I had like a base with like nail polish drawings on it, and I showed up there with this shitty cable, and I was like, guys. I want to play some bass with you. Dude, but that was part of what won me over. I was like, if he can shred on that thing, like... It's passion. Yeah, we're yeah. going to... we got a bass player. Dig, dig in. <laughs> what, what drew you guys to San Francisco, of all places? Lifestyle. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I think, I think for us, you know, well, you know, Peter had actually graduated a year before Nate and I, and, and one of the main things that drew, drew Nate and I out here was Peter, because we knew how talented he was, and we knew, like, you know, we had, we had kind of... We had gotten this this musical connection together uh, during college, and we had kind of been in a band playing parties and kind of like funk and soul and rock and jam music, basically, is what it started out as, you know, like playing Stevie Wonder covers or whatever um, that would make people dance and, and, and then party. Yeah, and, back in Maine, it was a pretty big layup to, like, play Stevie Wonder and, like, Steely Dan tunes to a bunch of college kids <laughs> and just make them wild out. There wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot, you know, going on. On any particular <laughs> night, so <laughs> if you had a keg of beer and you were a band, then it was happening. So you guys were huge in Maine, I'm guessing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Bread and butter. But the band, I'm guessing it was a different band in Maine. Oh, it was the Greg Waters band. The Greg oh, Waters wow. band. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't the... my choice. I didn't object when it was thrown out there in jest. People like were like, "Oh, we should call it that." I wish everyone laughed, and then you know. I wish podcasts could see how red his cheeks are getting. We might oh, be we, able to lean might. forward a little yeah, bit. There we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that was us. We did it for a while. So yeah, Pete Pete moved out, you know, a year before us, and we followed him. And there was also that that romantic draw of the Bay Area. You know, we knew we knew we wanted to play music together. We knew we were serious about it, but we also were kind of I mean, you know, there in some ways you're kind of like excited by like a challenge of a place like uh, of New York or L.A. But at the same time, you know that it's. I know there was something that we, I think we kind of assumed. I think it, uh, uh, from the people who I've talked to, I think it is true that there's just like this kind of level of, of saturation and also competition in both of those places that kind of, it can be like compelling and amazing because the people that are playing there are insanely good all the time and you know at the top top level, but there maybe isn't. The same kind of like kind of how to say this? I don't camaraderie know. Camaraderie. Like, yeah, camaraderie like... and like a scene and like the the amount of bands that we meet out here that we're, you know, we're we're into their stuff, they're into our stuff. We we put together shows and we do it. And I feel like that a lot of the the musicians who I talk to in New York and L.A. don't necessarily have that the same way, where it's it's more competition than than kind of and collaboration. Collaboration. Yeah. yeah. You grow up together. You play the same venues and band that's a little older will put you on as the opener you know you you get to know guys i mean really maybe well. that, I'm, I'm sure that exists to some extent in other cities like new york or la but like it's also nice i feel like we are just recently sort of finding a 
a home and a community within all these people who who are moving out to the East Bay, you know, like sort of rapidly being yeah. exiled to the East Bay. And we're finding <laughs> there's like a ton of a ton of people who are living on a shoestring because they want to be making music. And it's like I didn't even notice that culture so much existing in San Francisco when I moved out here five years ago. But like there's something that's really building with all these people out there in like Oakland who are sort of bonding together over that like desire to make art and not and not having to like worry about making enough to pay like fifteen hundred dollars a month in rent you know so they like can have that kind of lifestyle and that's definitely growing and we're sort of psyched to see that developing we still play most of our shows in san francisco though right (laughs) favorite venues yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's it's a difficult thing that uh we have talked about quite a lot on this podcast already (laughs) um, is the gentrification issue and um, the way that it affects the musical world as well as the artistic world of what happens when artists start getting priced out of a city known for its culture. And now, I mean, we have Oakland that is close enough that people can live over there and still, you know, apply their trade in San Francisco, so to speak. Um, but if there wasn't an Oakland, then what would happen to the culture? We're moving to Fremont, man. (laughs) We're in Bailey City, baby. Cutting edge. Cutting edge. Um, I don't know, man. That's such an interesting question. Because, like, I feel like there's, there's like, a a sort of spiritual draw to the Bay Area, you know? Like, there's this history that exists here that, like, I feel like would have brought us out here even if we'd known that it was expensive. There's still some sort of a lore that happens from, like, all over the country where people, like, want to be in this area. So, like, people are sort of striving to make it something. But to what extent, like, who would those artistic creative types be if it was only people who could afford to live in that place? That's interesting. Yeah. I see it positive. Okay. Really. If everyone is getting priced out of San Francisco, then everyone will create a new community in Oakland in the Telegraph area. Like a lot of a lot of places are actually doing great because of it because all the artists are coming together in a lot of places. Yeah. San Francisco is going to be whatever tech guys and sewering guys. That'll blow up in a couple of years. It'll anyway, blow right? up in a couple of years, anyways. <laughs> but if that means all the artists get to live together and have share that common thread of their life, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's it's it, it could be if you wanted to make it, it could be a positive thing. It means that the bars in those areas, the venues in those areas, the coffee shops in those areas are going to be hotbeds of discourse of good music. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just the way you look at it. A lot of people want to say. Technology in San Francisco is killing the city, but it's just it's creating new life other places. Well, we're seeing it too already in Oakland. Like Leo's is about to open, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. I bet will be like a that. great be spot awesome. to be. Temescal, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, Nate and I live like five minutes away from that, so that'll be kind of well, less than five, well, like five minutes maybe walking. Walking, yeah. we live a couple blocks away. We used to go to Leo's back yeah, in the day and had pro real pro gear. <laughs> it was sweet, and knowing that a music venue. He's coming in next door. Yeah. Is super exciting. Well, there was a spot over there. Um, Back in the day, that's yeah, right. I can't remember what it was called right now, but it was actually a pretty cool venue for a while. Mm. But it just kind of disappeared. <laughs> it's in, there's like a 
all brick building like a few doors down mm -hmm. and that used to be a, a venue that for a lot of underground shows that's right i was just being my, my buddy ash who plays in this band ghost in the city was just telling me all about yeah. that this band the matches used to play there oh all yeah the time. for sure um we were just talking about that in the same context and i know that there are like a couple other you know there's there's a big there's a rehearsal space there there's a recording studio back there still uh, in, in one of those buildings. So yeah, there's definitely still something happening. Cool. There's a chicken area. spot over there too, right? Bake sale. Uh, right. Bake sale. Although yeah. that's that fits uh, into this conversation oh, yeah. change. Yeah. 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 Greg, I'm gonna let take the floor on this one. He's our <laughs> resident it. chicken expert okay, okay. in the band. All I'll say is that you know I went there and it's different. You know, they changed it. They changed the sandwich. Oh, really? Yeah. It's Wait, a bit more really? gourmet. It got smaller. They tried to make it more gourmet. They they, 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 they made it smaller. The bread's not as good. Ooh. I will call them artists, though, <laughs> because they're not making it easy on their customers. Yeah. They sell a certain amount of sandwiches every day, and yeah. they won't sacrifice. The only thing they answer to is quality of their Dude, sandwiches. It's like the Yeezus. So you got to kind of... I disagree with that man. They 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 they, 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 they took it one step too far. Mm. They, they 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 like went electric, man. It was like Bob Dylan. Went <laughs> they went. Well, I know that was kind of cool. Judas, but they, <laughs> Judas, Judas. They went too far, man. The bread, they just they really did. I don't even know what to tell you guys. I stand with yeah. them. <laughs> I, all I will say, I have had this chicken sandwich, and it was, you know, it was okay. It's not my favorite fried chicken sandwich, but What's your I will say. Fried chicken sandwich? Well, we can get to that. <laughs> oh, we're on it now, man. We're talking about. I actually don't have a favorite fried chicken sandwich because I just like fried chicken. Yeah, yeah. I like good, uh... Chinese fried chicken is my favorite oh. fried chicken. Ooh. I gotta say, salt and pepper yeah. chicken wings. That's Very the shit. Like or um, Santung. If you've ever That's been to Santang, I was going to ask about man. I haven't had that, but I hear it's no, the what best. What is Santang? Santang like is sunset. a yeah. It's on um, Irving, uh, by the park, like I think around 11th and 12th on Irving. It's fucking the best <laughs> dry fried chicken wings you will ever have I'll in your life. That. Cool. Everybody has to have it. Just order them to go, pick them up because you'll never you'll never get inside. There's always a huge crowd outside, but. Um, Back to Bake Sale Betty's, I will say that there's something to be said for, for somebody that, you know, I'm going to open, I'm going to sell what I have, and then I'm going to fucking close. Yeah. That's a bad motherfucker right there. That's like. <laughs> that's true. Oh, they, they sell sandwiches until they don't have any more sandwiches. Yeah, exactly. And that's when they close the door. It's like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to change what I do. I'm not going to like, you know, be open certain hours. I'm just going to do what the fuck I want to do. No sign. Yeah, no sign. Artists, written with a marker, <laughs> you know. You know where I'm at. You can find it. You smell the chicken. The ba like the band equivalent of that, I guess, would be like playing like for six hours straight, and it's like by the end you're playing to like one person, you're just rocking their face off, and like you're not done until they leave. Yeah. yeah. And then I mean, you don't play again for six months. <laughs> <laughs> you miss the last show. Oh, we're playing again in September. You should come out. <laughs> Well, Keep are waiting. there any are there any musicians who use that model? Because it sort of seems like, you know, with the with the internet and yeah. you know, always being releasing shit and maintaining maintaining a presence. 
you know so much about music is promotion obviously but these yeah. places are their whole deal and what excites people is that they're like i guess it's like an underground restaurant or something mm. no menu no sign maybe we should start playing shows under no name yeah <laughs> show up at mysterious places it's like the minimal yeah. like you know experimental fried chicken sandwich place yeah yeah <laughs> It's just blowing up on Twitter. It's totally right now. Chicken grease. That's the guitar style, right? This guy named Guy Fox. He he has a great band behind him. <laughs> the Guy Fox band. So what about? So when you guys moved out here, did you move to the East Bay? Those of you that are in the East Bay, or did you move to San Francisco and then migrate? We're two and two, right? Because Charlie and Pete both moved to the city first, and then Nate and I more quickly realized that we couldn't afford to live there. <laughs> and we moved to, to North Oakland, which is where we stayed this whole six time. six years ago, yeah. Well, and you guys lucked out, too, because you sort of just chose a spot based on, like, a cheap apartment you could get, and now you're kind of in, like, a hip area. Oh, yeah. And a lot of your neighbors, like, are having shows. We played, like, an outdoor barbecue. Saw your neighbors that turned into, like, a big dance party. That's cool. It's like the Balkan Brass Band. <laughs> the Balkan Brass Band. Yeah, that, that was sick. pretty cool. We played with, yeah, we played a show in our neighbor's backyard on Telegraph Ave, like around 60th. And uh, the highlight of the show was a Balkan Brass Band that started after we finished playing. And they just, just like, cruised down Telegraph for three or four blocks and just led the way to the next house party. Like a, like they were just career. marching. That's awesome. It was it was just, it was just, yeah, there's like That's 40 right. of us just following them down Telegraph, and then they just kind of peeled off on, like, one of those like 58th or 59th or something, and then just... Right into the living room. <laughs> right into the living yeah. room. The concert kept going for another two hours. That was a good People one. were, like, doing the circle dance in the living room, like two circles revolving yeah. around each other. That was insane. That Luckily, the guys that owned the house had removed all the furniture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there was no obstructions. You could do the circle dance. Dude, you guys didn't catch it. So we're doing this thing in April uh, called Undercover Presents, which is... They pick like a famous album and they mm -hmm. have um, each track is played by a different band. And oh, they put cool. on, we recorded an album where each band records their track and then the show, each band plays it sort of in, in, in the order it is. And then they have like a DJ in between. But we went to the listening party the other night and there's one Balkan brass band that's doing one of the tunes. No They're way. Doing, uh, Which one? Boy in the Bubble. Uh, I, I think it's Boy in the Bubble. Yeah, it's it? the first track on Graceland. Yeah. It's Boy in the Bubble, oh, right? Yeah. It's going to be yeah. cool, Something man. Zamboleta. Fanfare of Zamboleta, yeah, that's right. I think they were at all like the Occupy rallies, oh, if cool. I remember correctly. That sounds right. I was more just sticking right by them. <laughs> that whole scene, I was like, I'm getting near this band. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm here for the music. <laughs> Such good street music. Just those blasting horns. Pre-amplification. Those guys can get real loud outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. There is something that's kind of innately powerful about horns, which is something that I really enjoy. And we found that, I mean, I guess we've always, you kind of always realize that in an age when it's like all about synths and, and like kind of like reverbed out guitar tones or whatever. Yeah. Like, there's something about like a horn that will kind of like get people going. Like, mm -hmm. it's a battle cry. Yeah. So I don't know, like we went on tour and like I know we when we play around here we we tend to try to do like, you know, two horns at a time. So like I'll play a baritone saxophone, we'll have trumpet together and it's kinda of like this and like the Budos band is like kind of the sound, I guess what it kinda of sounds like. Yeah. But you know, on tour it's just the four of us. Um so I and I'm the horn player. But I'd say like pretty much every show, like, you know, you'd like 
wait a while and like they'd be like why don't you guys like oh you got a saxophone over there so i'm like already like kind of amped about the saxophone they're like kind of like posted by the sax guy and then like and you start playing the sax like the saxophone and like you do it like once and you like just like tease it a little bit and by the end they're like why the saxophone and you pick it up they're like there's there's a, a, every show, there's this reaction. I want to like ignore it, pretending like this sax doesn't have that power, but it does. Every though. damn time they come in, people not, not the, the whole crowd. Oh, the synth just finally hit the people. <laughs> not the whole crowd, but at least day. like at least two or three people in every show. Yeah, someone the was bass drop, dude. <laughs> someone was always super amped on a saxophone, oh, even sure. if it did, even if I didn't even play it that well. It could have been the cheesiest shit you've ever heard. And we had that again. Oh we my god! The- we played a show uh, like two nights ago. We played uh, it's like an old winery in Bayview. I guess it was. It used to be a winery, and it was like abandoned and then bought up. And now it's like this big sort of sweeping garden that's like fenced in and kind of hidden huh. in like. That was so cool. That in was like such a, a pleasant really surprise. sketchy part of Bayview. But <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm, in I in live in Bayview. I've never seen yeah. this place you're talking it's about. It's like a, a warehouse in the sense that it has concrete floors and like, and like the wood ceilings, ceilings with uh, the slats across. But they, they made it into like, there's like Buddhas. There's really <laughs> cool, just like a vibey. When you walk in, there's like, it's not like a warehouse. They made it feel like home. In a very cool way, and hmm. then you go outside, and there's this huge garden and this huge fire pit around the huge back. Fire pit. It used to be a wine. We're good. We're we're I'm trying to. We're we're we'll talking with these guys about, about. Yeah, that is, sounds is, bad. Is, is it purple? Raven. Is the structure like kind of purple? Yeah, it's like bluish lavender kind of. Okay, that's like there are a lot of cats. You know what it is? It's on lots of cats. Ingles Street. Ingles Street. Ingles Street is what it's on. No, apparently there's more than one big. Oh, okay. huh. Blue structure. <laughs> so we're playing the we're playing the show there, and it was like the night after we just played Bottom of the Hill, and that was like a big, like really amped up show. And so then this one was sort of like a mellow thing. I'd say there were like what 30, 40 people. Forty more than that, but maybe yeah, more yeah. than that. But it was like pretty mellow, and in this and everything, and it was like a a boomy room, so everything had to be played kind of a little bit quieter. And we're playing our tune San Francisco. It's like kind of it's like a bit of like a crooner ballad, like it's still got a groove to it, but it's like a little bit mellow. And we decided to, like, stretch out for this show and sort of, like, take some risks and, like, jam it out a little bit. And we uh, we get to the end of the tune where there's usually, like, a solo going on. And uh, and I just call to Greg and I'm like, Greg. Light bulb just I'm like, went on. I'm, like, playing drums. I'm like, Greg, grab the saxophone. And, Greg, and, and Greg's like. Me and Nate just look at each other like, oh. <laughs> and, like, Greg's like. It was too right. major. And he picks it up and he picks it up and he just starts, he starts, like, saxing all over it. And then, <laughs> And we realized, like, partway through, like, it's just so Kenny G. Yeah. Oh, tenor saxophone yeah. over, like, this major. major. I was trying so hard not to do that. It was all I could do. <laughs> oh, you guys haven't asked a question in a while. You got it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. I, I like it. <laughs> rambling. I actually prefer rambling. That's, that's my preferred podcasting style is okay. rambling. And when I'm left to my own devices, I just ramble. So it's good that you guys ramble because you're probably more interesting than I am. (laughs) If we were, then we'd have our own radio show. (laughs) All you got to do is make it happen, man. (laughs) Nobody nobody picked me to do this. You're very interesting. (laughs) So what has... um, 
how has uh, moving to the Bay Area defined uh, your sound? I'm I'm guessing that you played somewhat similar music back in in your college days, but has has it changed mm -hmm. since you've moved down here? It's changed a lot. Definitely. A lot. A lot has changed, man. I mean, a lot. <laughs> if we, yeah, it's it's a great question because I think about a lot. Like if we had stayed in Maine and played around there. You know, I think like, oh, what type of music would we be playing? And I think one thing is that, I mean, we moved to a much bigger city than where we were at. And our college experience was awesome, but it was possibly a bit isolated. Um, that had its good because we were like, okay, we're a house party band. We need to like yeah. crush the energy. And we learned how to do that which with a bunch of drunk college kids. Mm -hmm. But then coming out here, it was sort of more, you know, we were like in this big sea and this big question, where do we fit in? Artistically, also hearing lots of contemporary music that was inspiring. And at first, you know, you hear something that's new and fresh and is really good, and there's something intimidating about that. Um, so I think we've sort of been trying to, like, bridge where we've come from with the, you know, the different stuff that we hear in San Francisco. Um, I don't know if you guys want to hear about, you know, what you've heard that's inspiring, but... Yeah, and I think it's just, it's been a very gradual thing, and... and... You know, sometimes when, when I'm kind of thinking about, like, how we've kind of progressed as artists and stuff, I'm like, well, you know, are we that much better than we were then? And, like, how are we different? And I actually ended up stumbling across a video of us performing in, like, 2009 or something. It was a band that just, just Nate and I were in, and I can definitely say that we are on a completely different level. And <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. It was, it was really just horrible. It was terrible. <laughs> um, you know, listening back, you know, like obviously technique wise, we were fine, but you know, just like pretty, you know, execution and stuff. I don't know, but I think it is, it is interesting. And it's, I think a lot of it has been related because we've always been good at the live, the live thing. I think that's always been a strong suit of ours, but over the past couple of years, and we've been talking about this tonight, even before we got, got on this, this podcast and started talking about it was just, you know, our, our approach to recording and how that's changed our, our, you know, at least personally, I can definitely say it's really changed my mindset of how music works. And when when you're kind of trying to convey something to somebody, um, that it's not like in a, you know, the the context is so important in music. You know, if there's a keg around and some girl you're trying to impress or some girl you're trying to dance with or like, you know, like all this stuff that's happening, and you can kind of be like hitting it really hard all the time, and you're kind of crushing it, and that's great, and you're playing this music that's super dancey and and in the groove. Like, that's cool, but we've kind of realized that there's a lot more to it than that and, and kind of taking a step back and realizing, all right, well, well, maybe someone's experience with this is going to be them listening to it with a, a pair of headphones in their room. And that context is so utterly different that you really do need a different kind of medium, different ways to kind of d draw people in, I think, you know. Mm -hmm. I think we realize that over a period of time that, you know, recording a song the way that it sounds live in, with certain styles of music really has a lot of benefits and that's awesome you know if you're in a jazz unless, band unless you're the rolling stones or maybe jazz <laughs> yeah i mean in certain styles it totally makes sense yeah just throw up some microphones like let them do their thing that's music yeah you know but with we realize you know especially now you know and, and the style of music that we're operating in and where we've kind of we've ended up in where we were kind of we wanted to go that that's not how it is done you listen to like a you know for what maybe is like the pinnacle of 
of like you know like that stuff like you know Radiohead or something like that where it's just you those guys have been working on that recording for so long with the state right, of the art yeah. shit and people like expect that now too you know what I mean it's it's not like implicitly they don't know it but they expect a level of production and intensity and sincerity that like you know is you know really really intense well but it, but it's cool too because then you have this this thing where you're simultaneously working on like your recorded sound and your live sound and they kind of inform each other it's like you create this piece of music live with each other and then you bring it into a studio and it like morphs and changes because you're trying to reconstruct it in a way that comes across in a recorded format and then you might make a piece of music that can't be replicated live the way that you are playing you know yeah, yeah. and so then you have to sort of like reinvent the recording back into a piece of live music so it's like a really cool procedure where you have to keep sort of reinventing the way that you're playing the same song and i think i think you know like your question was about sort of the bay area but i don't know it's interesting i feel like i feel like nowadays like location almost has less to do with your sound than anything because like you're hearing music from all like you can listen to like Ghanaian high life funk from like the 70s you know and, like at the click of a button and so like it's it's a lot less to do with geography and it's a lot more to do with like who you're hanging out with and what you're hearing and so like I don't I don't really know that I could say that there is like a San Francisco sound right now as opposed to like a New York sound or something like that. I feel like it's just like where you get a good creative group of people who are playing off each other and challenging each other to like push the boundaries. And I think that the Bay Area really especially in the past few years has been like really developing that. And I don't think that it's a specific sound so much as it is just like a like-minded group of people who are trying to do something new. Yeah, I love that. But I also feel like location, the experience, influences the art that you create yeah. in a lot of ways. And I think that we would all say that when we're in Maine or when we're on the East Coast in Connecticut or D.C., it's it would be a different experience than being out in San Francisco. And I think that being in San Francisco, we've all been on the same page in Oakland. We've all had the same kind of experiences where we are creating something that was inquisitive and open and exploratory and doing something uh, that's really neat. And I think that that's, that's changed. And I think it is, yeah, I think it is, like, yeah, sometimes it is because you see a group that raises the bar. You know, you listen to, like, a band like The Session who are based out of, out yeah, of like, you know, yeah. the East Bay, and they're so awesome. We played a show yeah. with them. I was like, oh, shit, okay. Like, we've got to raise <laughs> yeah, our we game better right step now. Like, those guys yeah. are sick. And it's the same thing, you know, you see, you know, like, you know, friends of ours like Dreams, mm -hmm. um, Bell's Bell's Atlas. I think is another one that I really I mm -hmm. think are super cool. You know, and, and I guess they are all kind of like kind of part of this little this kind of the same thing, which is yeah. the uh, you know it's kind of same same generation kind of I think sharing a lot of the same influences and um, I think we are a little different from from each of those bands because we still kind of have a bit more of a a kind of like. Just straight like up party vibe. Straight party I think vibe. Is what then, we're going you for. know, and, and and I think we have embraced more of like a, a party side of it, and also you know, but we're also like kind of getting into the more because um, I because I really do see those those bands as artists. I I, I really do mm -hmm. think that they are kind of like mm -hmm. the, the the soundscape that they're creating and stuff. It's like, it's always like so beautiful and, and, and interesting, 
And I think, you know, our live show tends to be a bit more, just a bit more raucous. We're just, like, <laughs> constantly trying to bring it, generally. <laughs> Most of our um, songs, like, kind of look like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're like, oh, I'm going to kill this Little Warren video, you got to explain that. <laughs> We, no, 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 there's no, video. No, video dude. I think we need to. <laughs> right there, bro. You yes. haven't known to fix your hair, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just try and I think a lot of times when we play live, we just like try and push everything to its breaking point a lot of times. So how has like incorporating those bands changed your music? Like isn't Leyland on one of your, I don't know if that's how you pronounce her name, but isn't oh, she on yes, one of your tracks? Yes, We were La-Lin. looking at Leyland for a minute too. Oh, right. shit. Man, but she, no, I mean, uh. I don't know. The session's an interesting one just because they do bring it really hard. But they didn't always, you know? They had, like, a real sort of neo-soul mellow vibe for a while. And then in this just, like, past album and past, like, year of playing, they've just, like, turned into, like, electronic dance music soul, like, full force. Oh, they're killing it for the record, everybody. Yeah, Yeah, everybody gotta definitely check out the session. Have you heard of Lalin? Yeah, yeah, she came on San Francisco. That was really really cool that she did that, and, you know, she did such a great job. And I think it is true that, you know, I think being around those bands that you kind of realize that they're creating these beautiful recordings and these, uh, their use of synthesizers and stuff. And it wasn't just them, but I think, you know, that did kind of, influence kind of our approach to things where it's like okay you know maybe or even like the use of kind of like drum loops or drum machines which i think you know one of the our most recent single the good life we've kind of we, we use that as kind of like a building block of one of our tracks is just something to try really more than anything that you know i think we found that you know that song san francisco that we that we recorded um was a drum loop and that's never how we'd played it. And, and it kind of does get into like, a, I don't know, I'm not sure how much we want to talk about this, but just, you know, like our creative process where we've really tried to kind of switch things up and be more, just kind of challenge ourselves and think that maybe like add in one or two elements, like from the very beginning of like kind of, they kind of like disrupt our regular flow right? so yeah. that we can't just play something like we would live. And it's not just mm-hmm. going to be like some kind of copy of that. You know, we went into, to, make that song San Francisco and we started by making a drum loop uh, and there's just three of us playing just kind of like playing percussion stuff and we just we played for like four minutes and we just found four bars that we really liked and we just looped that and we that, that's the entire backbone of the song and we just kind of re-recorded everything on top of that it was like a backing track of just drums and then we recorded on top of it um, and these kind of different ideas and I think it, it is I think yeah hearing other bands like that, you know, that we would like to consider peers, like that we're hopefully, you know, like, you know, around their level um, and saying like, all right, these guys are doing really cool stuff. Like yeah. we can do that too, right? Like we're, we're good enough to do that, I hope. And it's not like a competitive thing. It's like, it's, it's more we're inspirational. Living, we're like taking the same part line. We're, we're like, we're living <laughs> with these guys. Like, this is cool. This is kind of the sounds of, of our area, of our time. Like, let's understand what they do and, and do what we do and like make it all make it all sound better so so an interesting uh question to touch upon is um we we've talked a lot about gentrification on this podcast and the effects of it and one of the things i'm i'm from originally from la and i moved to the bay area in 99 so i've pretty much lived in big cities my whole life so it's the the concept of like moving to a big city from someplace that doesn't have its own like you know scenes and all this stuff 
is something that's kind of foreign to me and my my the side of me that like tries to to figure everything out is always wondering well couldn't this happen in other places if if people didn't migrate to cities would they be able to build up their own scene <laughs> in that area but you guys bring up a good point that if that one of the things that progresses things and builds things into and takes it to the next level is having that back and forth with other like-minded artists that you know you might not have in a city that doesn't have as many bands uh so do you think that you guys would have been able to get where you are not ever coming to the bay area do you think it would have you would have reached the same you know levels that you guys are are playing at right now i feel like that should be a topic for a song <laughs> the different lives that you can live yeah you know it could head in a lot of directions uh it's something we know we that's, would... we've we ask ourselves that all the time like what what would what would happen if we were on the east coast right now because we have a lot you know we went on tour this summer and we went over there and we played shows in boston and new york and dc and they all went really well but um I mean, i'll let you keep going you know but it's I it's think, really interesting well that has i think that in the culture that we live in today we're constantly flooded with images and sounds and just bombarded so that idea i i think that we are so much influenced with what's around us i think that if you're in a place where you're you don't have all these things around you that like it's possible that like your truest voice possibly might come out more mm -hmm. i don't know i have an artist friend who sort of talks about that just like getting yourself in isolation and figuring out your own voice mm -hmm. so if you're a right. musician and you create Maybe don't don't listen to that much music and see what comes out. But I guess your to answer your original question, uh, yeah, I think we would sound much different if we had stayed we, in Maine. I think or we'd, 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 we'd be a lot jammier, I bet. I think we'd probably be a lot. We probably would have stayed with a lot of that. Yeah, somehow. I mean, we still like have to curtail our jammy tendencies, <laughs> you know, which is which I think is a nice thing. Like, I'd prefer to be like have jammy tendencies and hold them back than be a jam band who's trying to act electronic or something. Yeah. Well, I guess it's like, you know, we don't have as many, like, we do have solos, you know what I mean? If it's a guitar solo, if it's a horn solo, but I think Bass more solo. so these days, we just try and like Nobody work together, you know, working together as a group and, you know, sometimes, Greg and I playing guitar, you know, he'll play a lick and I'll kind of harmonize it and we'll sort of move slowly with it instead of sort of like the older rock mentality of just like, I'm going to fuck your face with this guitar solo. <laughs> and it's, it's funny, like, man, I've thought about that. Like there was definitely a time where for me, like that was like the ultimate form of musicianship was just like, all right. Like we're we're, yeah. we're through with the chorus. Like it's time for me to time fucking to yeah. rip right now. Like I gotta unleash, <laughs> unleash on everyone. And I was I was talking about that older recording I found. I was like I was I was just going off, and it was Looking back, it sounded really obnoxious to me. And then you know, like talking about like our development and stuff like that. I think it is really cool. Like where it's like that's a guitar solo, and like yeah, you know what? You cool. You played a really cool lick there, but it's still just a guitar solo. 
and 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 the kind of way that we've been approaching things is like all right how do we like you know you know make music as a group that's interesting and like you know what what section comes now like what 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 kind of different what what kind of momentum shift happens here it's not just me going from bending a long note to playing triplets you know it's yeah. it's, it's it's more it's more than that. It's it's a collective together. That there's right. there's an exciting like you know there's a different chord or there's a there's a new sonic thing that happens. You know there you know it's it's not just about like musicianship. You know even though that that plays a part and we can that use that. You know we can you know we can use our musicianship to harness something else and like. Yeah. But it's not necessarily you know technically difficult difficult to play. But it's exciting still as a listener. And and also for us because it's you know you're you're touching some kind of different energy that that comes into a song. Well, and we still come from I feel like this background of of improvisation, you know, like so a lot of our rehearsal time is spent just like experimenting off the cuff and like playing something and then trying to see how we can stretch it in as many different directions as possible, and then sort of catch those moments where it's like, oh, that shit was cool. Like, nobody expected it to go that way, but that's sort of like an interesting piece, you know? And it's not maybe so, like, literally orchestrated or arranged as it is, like, we'll take an idea and we'll riff on it and we'll sort of let it develop and grow, and then we'll harness the best piece, like, sort of call the best pieces of that and create something out of it. And I feel like that's where, like, this sort of East Coast jam sensibility has helped us. Um... But I think we're taking it in kind of a different direction. Yeah, it was an interesting <laughs> question because you asked us if being out here really defines our sound. And I would say no. I mean, I think that being out here helps us expose us to a lot of really great bands. But, like, we all have our different backgrounds. And they're all a very diverse, different kind of backgrounds in terms of the music that we've listened to, the yeah. music that we've played. And we all came out here because of the music that was out here. Uh, because the culture that was out here, because of all those things. But I think that if we were all together and, you know, another place, that we'd all have those same kind of feelings, we'd all have those same kind of thoughts, that we'd want to have a play together and have a really cool band, and maybe it would be different in a lot of different ways, but I think it would be very similar in a lot of similar ways in the sense that it would be about the same core values, which is, you know, playing songs that people want to like dance to listen to playing good things uh that people feel you know nothing about ego nothing about you know a lot of a lot of uh <laughs> what other bands are doing so <laughs> you know so so in terms of of growth like other than just your own growth like uh like your sound but also with an audience how focused are you in growing your fan base does that just happen naturally do you find that you cater your sound to a certain group of people or it's a good question i I don't think we we have i don't think that we really do no i mean we started it's funny because like we talked about our origins on the east coast as like a party band and that's basically how we started out here is uh we like started this band and uh, we decided instead of just trying to book a bunch of like really shitty club gigs that we would play a bunch of house parties first and like get our friends to come out and bring their friends and then sort of bit by bit like that audience started growing to the point where then we could book stuff at like what were some of our first shows? I don't remember The Laundromat? <laughs> yeah, I mean we did a brainwash thing a brainwash, but we had played yeah. uh, I don't know, like Bottom the of the Hill yeah, I mean, like, bottom of the hill and stuff like that. And uh, 
and by the time we sort of reached the point where we were booking those larger shows, we sort of had an established fan base from that. And um, we're lucky, man. We got good friends. And it's yeah, good friends. I'd say that's there. the best. That's the biggest and part. We're lucky. Good friends that throw good parties. <laughs> Yeah, we, and then you know, like yeah, to answer your question, yeah, like yeah, we're we're definitely we we want as many people as possible to hear our music, and we're really, that's what excites us is you know you know the the fact that we we played a show the the other weekend and that there were all these people at our show that we didn't know who were singing along with our music, you know, and it's because they had just you know just caught us at a different show, um, you know, with the, that great American thing, you know, and that that had happened like totally organically. That's, that's nothing like, better than that. And that's like you know, su they know that's super exciting, and it's 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 amazing. We're really like we do have like a core group of friends here that uh, have pretty much just like always rallied really hard. You know, once a month they come out and, and party with us, and and that makes the venues like us, and that makes the other people in the audience like you know, kind of like more comfortable and kind of more, you know, open to kind of getting down. If they see, you know, if there's 40 people who are already like way into it, they're going to, you know, it's easier for you to dance, you know, if, because, yeah. you know, everyone's been to a show where you're like into it and you look around and like everyone's like kind of being a pussy about shit, you know what I mean? They're like not going for it. It's like this music kicks ass and you guys are just standing there right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, come on, what's wrong with you? Come on. So I think we have been lucky that we have like, you know, friends and, and they're also fans, um, that at, from a very early, like a very early time, like kind of helped like establish the vibe of like what we wanted to happen, and we're kind of down with that and dancing from the first tune. Well, and I think like you know our early crew here in the Bay Area are like pretty wild, you know, and I think that's really helped <laughs> us because it's like we have these people who came out and they what they wanted was to be able to like while out at a show, and they're like acting like fools and as they act like fools it makes us sort of want to like fuel that flame you know so we're like how can we get them to get even weirder with stir everything? the pot and like then sometimes sometimes it means one of us is take our shirt off like, <laughs> sing a cut on this podcast <laughs> right now i don't know i'm just saying like they just need to be, like here. get out there remember guys you and saw it here first this is not the first time he's a teacher too folks third grade he's working with kids Fireball Pete. <laughs> Why'd you go and do that? <laughs> so, uh, you have a clean cut hair, man. You look like you, you could sell me some nice artwork or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's good because as these people while out and they tell their friends, like, come out and we'll all get crazy, you know? Like, yeah. they got <laughs> attitude. And so then we're trying to find new ways to make them freak out, and it sort of like builds upon itself. And I feel like we've, I guess our goal was sort of to create this community of community of people and i think well, by bit that's, how we, that's how we started we were like let's just play one good show so our friends like us and want to come back and then we played one fucking kick-ass show and then they're like bring brought their friends and they're like you, me and our friends are here and we're gonna play one kick-ass show and we played a kick-ass show and so it just kind of organically spreads like that oh it's exponential like that when you just focus so much on this Making sure that you play good music and that everyone out there is having a good time. That's how we started, you know. We were playing house parties, we were playing good things. And then when we, you know, we played Bottom of the Hill. Headlined Bottom of the Hill the other weekend. And 
we have a lot of responsibilities. You got to have a draw. You got to have a lot of other things. But at the end of the day, like we just want to make sure that people out there are dancing, having a good time. We're keeping it interesting, playing good songs, fancy songs, but also keeping it fresh. And those are, you know, that's we came from the kind of thing where 50 people came to a gig, we'd be amped up about it. And now we're just like the same thing. Dance party, fucking have a great and time. I feel like we've talked about this before, not here, but in like another radio interview we did. But it was, it's like, shirt's going back. <laughs> shirt's coming back on. Or waxing philosophical. You can't do that with your shirt off. Yeah, so I think all the all the Greeks did. Yeah, I was about to say Plato. This is a No, but like you, you definitely see some bands where it's this thing of like, oh, we're artists. Like, come and observe our art, and it's like yeah. they have this attitude of like, the music's up on this pedestal, and that the audience is coming there to check it out. And I think our thing has always been much more of like trying to get that give and take with the audience. It's like mm-hmm. we're trying. It's like we sort of are foot, one foot in each camp. It's like on one end, we want to do stuff that we think is like artistically interesting and fun for us. But then the other foot is in this camp of like, how can we make these people while out? Because then they'll fuel us, you know? So I think yeah. that, that give and take is so important. You know, if you're, you know, I feel, you know, there's every, every band is, you know, played a bad show before and it sucks like when you and you're kind of like you're playing and there aren't a lot of people out there and like it's not registering and you don't play well you know because of that and that's mm-hmm. a fact you know that that does happen um and then on but on the other side of that like when if you can kind of if you can go out there feeling like you've already won like feeling like people are already ready to have a good time and that's what happened to even a great american like when the lights went down and we walked out there like there was already 500 people out there at a sold out show just like ready to hear live music yeah yeah and it was like all right this is going to be easy let's give them what they want yeah you and catch and people in the right mood you, you, you know and you know sometimes sometimes there is that kind of like transition period where like people are kind of like there and you need a little bit of foreplay and you get them excited and then you kind of and then you're ready to bang. <laughs> but, you know, normally... <laughs> what he's talking about is like, oh, you're playing Soprano. So shirt on. Shirt, <laughs> off. shirt on or shirt off. But, you know, you know sometimes there is that middle zone. But really, yeah. you know, that's that's what it comes down to is like, you know, that the, the music is the best when you can feel this excitement in the crowd. Like that's, you know, for me at a live show when you're like, that moment when you're waiting for this band to go on and you've been waiting for way too long and the lights drop and you're like, Oh, <laughs> like everyone just goes ape shit because they know it's about to happen. Like, that's like the best. For, that's almost the best moment of a concert for me, is when the band comes on at a big show like that. The lights are off, all these cameras are flashing, and it's just like, oh shit! Like everyone is yeah. is stoked for what's about to happen. And then, uh, uh, you know, as as a musician on the other side of that, it's like, okay, like these people are so ready to rock. Like, yeah. let's do it. You know, well, and it's all fun. about, like, creating this sense of anything can happen, kind of, is, is like, the fun part for us, you know? is like, trying to create this, like, throw enough curveballs in, in any big show that, like, it's not just sort of formulaic, you know? Like, there'll be things that happen, or, like, covers, or, like, you know, some sort of theatrical thing where... Some every, shirts every come sh- off. Some yeah. shirts shirt come maybe off. came off. Where every, show, G's where every show's uh, different. Know. I mean, mix yeah. it up. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how much do you guys focus on promoting yourselves in terms of, like, social media and stuff like that? Do you think that uh, 
that it is necessary when you're building this kind of like ground level grassroots following? Do you still need social media? Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. It's like it's it's the the main way that we communicate about shows. You know, is that we there's like a Facebook event or we send out an e you know an email or. I don't know. I feel like, you know, Twitter, we, we do it because I feel like we feel like we're supposed to. We're not really like, <laughs> actively really even mess with it. <laughs> yeah. It's like mainly just like reposts our Instagram stuff because yeah. that's fun. And, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but Instagram and Facebook, I think that is pretty huge to what we're doing. It makes a huge well, difference. Because, like, oh, yeah. because I guess it's not like I feel like it sort of feels lame to me to be like, oh, well, you know, you're marketing your brand or some shit. But it what, what happens is like you you – and it's not just us as a band. It's like us and our friends and like fans. Like we, we create this little community and it's like the social media stuff in its best version is just a sort of reflection of what the attitude of that is. And so it's not even so much like shameless promotion as it is just sort of fun to carry that energy from a show into like this little realm where you can like check in and that you can sort of like get back in touch with that attitude and that feeling pete is our instagram <laughs> he takes fun little photographs here and there yeah. and, 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 it's, and it's and it shows that you're accessible to other people who like maybe you know did check out your show and liked it and like oh yeah look at that like you they can go there and they can follow you they know when your next show is they know where they can listen to all your shit like that's important it's it's like kind of the center of how you go about promoting your stuff as far at least in a, for me that's how i feel that's how we do 95% of our promotion. Like you can throw up a bunch of flyers all over the place, and maybe that helps for name recognition in some kind of abstract sense, but I, I doubt, I, I honestly have severe doubts, that, at least for an indie band you know, like us or whatever, that putting up a Guy Fox poster on every corner of the city, I'm not sure if that really helps you bring more people to your show. Maybe it does down the road if you, they keep on saying, like, oh, Guy Fox, I've heard of them. Maybe that helps. But in, yeah. with other bands, my experience is that just just like putting a bunch of flyers or, you know, just like word of mouth, like that that can be kind of good enough for some kind of things. Well, word of mouth is yeah, word I mean, of that's mouth. But that's what it really comes down. What to. What you yeah. really want is shares. The things that we get the most response to is when some of our fans share our links on their profiles. Is when you you know you catch someone with either a picture or a song or something where they want to share it on their thing and be like, check out. Yeah. My buddies that, and I mean, Guy Fox. That's how you catch all these different people that are in a whole different network. The problem is that like Facebook, it sounds like is is starting to pull some bullshit. Isn't there something yeah. where it's like, I mean, basically, there was a time when people would like you on Facebook and it actually just meant that like, which they makes would, sense. Yeah, that it's like, oh, posts. they would see your post. Yeah, like, yeah. I like this band because I want to find out what they're doing. But now, yeah. like, that doesn't even mean anything. It's yeah. like, you have to prom you have to spend money for anybody. Are you, you guys promoting your? Posts. You know, if Sometimes. we have big ones, like if we're releasing a new single or maybe for like a big show we have, we'll do like a promoted post about it. I mean, it pisses me off to do it, but yeah. it's a <laughs> great promotional tool. So and that's yeah. The reason they're doing it is that they know they can. They know that it is our main way of getting to people. So yeah. yeah. Will we pay 20 bucks to get an extra 50 people to a show? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely yeah. we will. Yeah. You know, because you're going to see that money back at the door. So yes, it is. It's worth. What it. was that Onion headline? It was like, teens and preteens now have given up on Facebook, 
and are now connecting via a deer video. Yeah, via the comments thread of a deer running in slow motion video. <laughs> That's actually probably more true than yeah, right? than not true. But it's crazy when you look at the the total views of a post, and you're like 300, yeah. 300, 1600. Yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah. Oh, it's and like, that oh, costs 20 it bucks. Me, right. not even for like 600. It's like five bucks, and it's like, well, shit. That's okay, the cost yeah, of a fucking latte, man. <laughs> But it's annoying. I mean, but at the same time, I feel like it's got, I almost see it more like 50-50. It's like there's 50% like getting yourself, having a social media presence so that people sort of keep in touch. And then I think 50%, I do believe, is just like putting on a good enough show that people are going to tell their friends. Because if you're not doing that, then nobody's going to give a shit sure. about hearing about the posts that you give, you know? So I guess I want to believe that the live performance has the most to do with what's going to keep people coming out. And I think that we've seen that just in the past couple of months, like with these shows we've done and more people coming back out. But, uh, I definitely believe that. I think it's a hundred percent. As far as the experience doesn't matter how of much... the show, if you got great recorded music, people are always going to be coming out. You know, if you put on a great show, then that's going to bring people back. I think, yeah. Well, and then, and then you have these you, bands who, like, blow up over one single, but they don't have a live show to back it up, and that's just, like, irritating for everybody. Management. They just get eviscerated by the media. Or yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's just, like, yeah. kind of brutal. But then you can't help but feel kind of bad for them. It's like, well, they didn't even have a chance to get that part of their game together because yeah. they were, like, instant stars overnight, and they didn't even have a chance to try to learn how to become, a, like, a live band. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer for them. <laughs> so do you guys... Um... Have you gone on any national tours or anything yet? We sort of, we, we put one together ourselves last summer and it was like four weeks, right? Five weeks. Five weeks, uh, just around the country in like a 15 passenger van and we organized the whole thing ourselves. And so it was like a total shit show. I mean, it was a blast. <laughs> like it was an amazing, it was an amazing it trip. It was so fun, yeah. It was like one of the best things I've done, but it was like definitely hit or miss. Like you're playing a show in like, you know, Columbus, Ohio. To we didn't play in Columbus. Ohio. Where did we play in Ohio? Cleveland. 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 Oh. Playing in Cleveland, and it's like you. Fit, a and, Sunday night in Cleveland. And it was I still mean. a blast. Like Charlie couldn't come, so we had this other bass player, and the dude got slapped in the face by some girl that night. I mean, like it's always gonna be fun. No <laughs> him. I don't even know the story, but but it's like it's always it's always gonna be fun doing something like that. But we sort of realized after that national tour, it's like. Unless we got picked up to tour with somebody, like open right, for yeah. somebody, there isn't like a whole lot of point right now in like in doing it that way because there's no reason to ever go back to Cleveland. You know, how, how did you finance <laughs> that tour? Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There was a Kickstarter. Oh, cool. It yeah. was cool though. We did a Kickstarter and that got us that paid for the van and paid for like some merchandise and stuff like that. And then we were able to make enough money through the shows that gas was all covered and a lot of food got covered. Yeah, we oh, broke so. even. And you know, sure. because of our East Coast connects, I think there were a lot of shows on the East Coast that were totally worth doing. Mm -hmm. We had oh, two. Yeah. Oh, there were great. Sure. Shows. Yeah, we had two awesome shows in Manhattan. A really good one in Boston. Uh, DC show is amazing. We, we played at our old college. Played at our old college. We played uh, people, some shows. Some of the shows in, in Texas were super fun. Played Marfa, some of the, Texas, Marfa. is a wild place. 
What? 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 Texas? Marfa, Marfa, Texas. It's like this little weird artist community in like East Texas, just in the middle of the desert. West huh. Texas. West Texas. West Texas. Grizzly, and it was like Grizzly Bear recorded an album there. Huh. It was huh. cool. We were there, and like they, there's a studio there, and it's like a tiny enough town that everybody knows everybody, but it's like all artists. So we showed up there and huh. we played a show at this bar called the Lost Horse Saloon that's run by this guy Ty, who's like this grizzly cowboy with an eye patch <laughs> and just like he was definitely nice. the coolest guy we met on tour yeah easily and uh and there was a guy who had happened to be at the show who because he had nowhere else to go who was like yeah i have a recording studio <coughs> so we recorded a live set the next day and it's just like this bizarre little enclave their doctor's name is jalapeno schwartz and we like ran <laughs> well i only know that because like he was, know that like, <laughs> he was like at the, at the bar we were at that's... and they were like hey jalapeno and he like shakes his hand and i was like who the fuck is that he's like well, that's the local doctor and then he was just like ripping cigarettes <laughs> beers. excellent doctor that's so good Russian. that reminds me has anybody read the book uh oh i'm gonna get it uh there's a in the book i'm thinking of which may oh the brothers karamazov oh yeah, yeah. there's a doctor in it named dr herzentube and like everybody <laughs> in town is praising this dr herzentube the amazing dr herzentube and he never makes an appearance in the book i think it's like this big joke through the whole fucking thing it's dude like who is this herzentube yeah the mythical jalapeno it's like, jalapeno choice dude <laughs> Oh, person to best in the biz. <laughs> <laughs> no, we met a lot Fox's of new album, Jalapeno yeah. Shorts. <laughs> <laughs> that, that might Whoa. be an NC seventeen rating. <laughs> no, that no, the tour was you know, there were great memories and some great shows and it was totally worth it. And I think we're we're gonna do it again this year. Um probably a bit more like focused, focus, like more targeted on the places that we really know. Uh, we we want to keep playing, and that'll keep our costs down. Even to fly out there, I think it'll. Yeah, it'll, it'll be, be a bummer. We rented John Vanderslice's van. Yeah, who owns Tiny Telephone Studios, and uh, it was the best. It was like the Great White Whale. This thing is immaculately kept. If you ever met John Vanderslice, he's like the most immaculately kept man, probably. <laughs> he's and very a specific. man of fine taste. He's yes. focused. He's yeah. focused on the things that everything with with JV. It's either like the best thing in the fucking world and shut up and listen about this or it's it's a joke it's dog shit do not even look at that don't even talk about that (laughs) like it's one or the other and the van was very much in the former category of like things that he loved and took good care of so yeah it was that was i mean he's right thank you jv so one of the things that is is for me one of the most unfortunate aspects of the the new music culture is the death of the album. Do you guys think of your music in terms of albums or do you think of it in terms of songs? Are you crafting like a a grander vision or are you focusing on we were you know I think it'll questions? be a yeah. I think you'd get a different answer person to person. Oh yeah. I, I don't know man, I was never the kid going to record shops I, I don't. <laughs> and he's up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't hold much holy. Oh yeah. I don't yeah. really care about the form. Whatever it is, I want it to be fresh. 
Pete can say something else about it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm from a different camp. Like, I, I, I'm. One of my favorite things in the world is like going into a record store and just perusing shit. And like, you, it's like the experience where you go in sure, and you don't uh, know what you want, and you like, <laughs> you don't know what you want. Sure and not, you spend sure like, not, I think we know. You spend like, an, you spend like an hour in there, like pulling things out and like making stacks and like categorizing what you want to buy. And then, then you like walk out with the Beverly Hillbillies greatest hits, and you're like, fuck, how did this happen? <laughs> but it's like, I love that. Shit, man. And I, uh, but I think it's it's different from. Like, I would love to release a full-length album that's cohesive and has, like, a um, if not a theme to it, at least is, like, all <coughs> one piece and plays front to back as one whole piece of music. But uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us as a band to be doing that right now. I mean, I feel like we've got, we come up with songs all the time, we're recording all the time, and as soon as we get something that's out and is a great, and we like the quality of it, we want to get it out there. We want people to hear it. Yeah, I know. It's it's tough. I mean, it's something we kind of discuss internally quite a bit as far as, you know, well, everyone just makes playlists now. So just get out singles. Just get stuff out there. Keep yourself relevant. We keep on releasing stuff. And I think we are kind of, I think we're going to find a middle ground here. But yeah, personally, the way I listen to music, I love, I love albums just as it's a snapshot. You get to see exactly where that group was at that exact time. And it's sometimes there's some filler and sometimes it's imperfect, but it's always, it's almost always consistent. And it's always like, you know, a part of one piece of, of art. And that's what I really like about it. As opposed to just kind of listen to all these different pieces. And because if you kind of are, are, are chopping around and kind of putting together a playlist or whatever, you don't really quite get the, the full experience of who that band is. And I, I know I love listening to, to, to music that way, you know, there are a couple of albums in the past couple of years that have come out that I've just been totally blown away by that um, I don't know like Grizzly Bears Shields I thought was yeah. fucking amazing the Alt J um, like record that. is like that a Hot Chips most recent one just I guess it's still kind of old now in, so your like, head. in, in our, our head. in our heads or something like that yeah that I don't think those are all maybe like 2012 2013 <laughs> but um you know there's something about like the album as a piece of art that I love still and I thought I don't know maybe because we, we we can't we don't have label backing. We can't go into Tiny Telephone and record for three weeks and do that. We just we don't have that kind of money to spare. So we've been doing kind of a couple of days in the studio a month, and that's been really fun. But it has kind of led to you know like work on a song, finish it, move on. Work on a song, finish it, and and maybe that does kind of lend itself more to singles. And that's kind of how we're going to be releasing stuff. But I think at the end of the day, we're going to put it on a full length album, and that that is how I like to listen to music personally still even though it seems like a lot of people are arguing that maybe that's not the future of music. I, I can't really make, I can't I make a case I, for either know, I, direction. I think it always will be though, man. I mean, I feel like that'll always be a piece. It's like back in the, back in like the sixties, all the soul labels were just releasing singles, you know, like it wasn't until like Marvin Gaye's, uh, what's going, what's going on where, or like a, one of those early Stevie wonder records where it was like a totally cohesive piece or like Sgt. Peppers, you know, it was all singles back then. And that was just sort of the medium. And then they got into concept albums for a while. And I feel like now we're entering an era of singles again, but I think because the whole idea of like a concept album has existed, that people will always return to that as a form. And I think it just, I don't think either one is the right or wrong way to release music. I think it's just two different ways of approaching it. And now we're used to both of them. 
I like that idea that, that you put on someone's record and you're like, all right, what do you got? And it's like, entertain me for an hour right now. Like, show me like an hour of good music because that's a lot fucking harder to do yeah. than, than putting together one sweet pop song. You know what I mean? Like, that's like a real challenge. And then that's where like you kind of can kind of separate like mm-hmm. men from boys. It's like, all right, who, who's actually got like that kind of level of creativity that they can kind of, they can do that for that long. Yeah, I agree, man. I do. How much do you do you guys think about the future like where you want to go eventually is it, do you have a plan do you do you guys talk about this internally like you know eventually we want to we want to do this or or Yeah we, yeah we do we were talking about it this evening before when while we were you know waiting to talk to you guys we were getting drinks and talking about it Yeah I mean personally I just I want to keep going as, as far as we can go and to have as many people listen to our music as possible. I want, I want to be able to, to play everywhere. And I want to be able to play shows like we play here in the Bay in any city in the States. That's my goal. Maybe who knows? I mean, no, you want to dream big, like sure. Why, why not everywhere? You know, but I think at least in the States, I think that's not an un, 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 like, it's not crazy for where we are right now that we could, you know, play, play like fun shows to hundreds of people you know, in a bunch of big cities. That's what I wanted to be able to do. And if we can go bigger than that, fuck yeah, let's do it. But that, that's, that, that for me, that's like the immediate goal over the next couple of years is to, is to make good enough recordings to reach that many people and to have a good enough live show that everyone who's seen us wants to see us again. That's what I want to do. What do you think, Nude? What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> How much do you guys think about the future in, in terms of... It's hard... Oh. Not to. <laughs> um, I don't. Well, I guess it comes from the desire. At this point in time, we're twenty-seven years old. We're not kids anymore. I I want to do something great in the next few years, and if I don't do that, I don't know how much longer I want to do it. So I guess we're after something right. serious. You know, I want to make something really good and. Hopefully most bands who are around want that same thing. So I guess it is always like this thing, like you're, you have this idea in your head of something great and it's about hopefully like trying to trying to capture something and hopefully that thing that you put down might resonate with some people. Um, but yeah, at this point in time, I want to make something really good. You know, something I'm really happy with. I don't know if that answers the question. I think I feel the same way as these guys, although we all will say it in different ways. Uh, I want to make music that people listen to and say, oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's good. That's what I want. And Waters yeah. wants to play it live, and Noodle wants to, to make people resonate their way. But I think we all just want to make something, a product that not only we're proud of, but makes people think and feel and get out there and want to see us, but I'll see other musics, see other things. I uh, think that we're all fighting for the same goal. Having said that, I kind of got like a little intense for a second. I think the cool <laughs> thing nice. about I think nice. the cool thing about the future, though. I mean, but that's like that. I mean, that's like anxiety. Yeah, is in worry comes from having your head in the future. Yeah, yeah. But I think the beauty about making music. And it's, well, yeah, making music, and especially when you're playing with people, 
is that the future doesn't exist. You're in the fucking moment. I mean, that is that is the beauty. It, like, mm-hmm. if you're doing something, it, it puts you right there, and it, it doesn't matter. Well, so it's like, nice, it's but... like, of course we would want to see things continue to grow, but, like, the bottom line is that, especially in this sort of business, like, there are no guarantees about how anything's going to go, and if we didn't love what we were doing, then we wouldn't be doing it at all. You know, so like really what it comes down to isn't like, yes, we're trying to push it as far as we can, but really day to day, we're just enjoying doing it in the moment. You know, we just want to like keep honing in on what we're doing and make what we're already doing better and better and better so that more, hopefully more people will get on our, you know, train. So. So how do you feel about like the the machine that some bands have behind them with their label and booking agents and all of that? Like, I mean, I think that would be awesome. Good for them. Yeah, yeah. If they're awesome. Good, if they're good enough, like sometimes like, I, I hear bands that have that, and I think, okay, surprised they got that, but good for them, you know. Yeah. yeah. And you know, no no, but, no resentment on my end, man. If they if they're doing yeah. it. If they if they can reach more people and do what they want to do, more power to them. That's awesome. Yeah, music yeah. is good as long thing. as they're not compromising what they're trying to do. Then they should. Th- th- that's awesome. I mean, yeah. I, I think if at one tr- point. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, go I'll ahead. finish it. If they're, <laughs> 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 if they're making it something good up, and there are sure. people that want to take you know take it to the next level, that's great. But there's nothing bad about that. You know, we we love organic music, good music. So well, and I th- I think it I. It seems to me like at one point the sort of end all goal was getting a major record label deal or something yeah. like that. And nowadays I feel like that doesn't even really make sense for a lot of bands, you know? It like restricts them in so many ways or doesn't actually allow them it doesn't actually allow them the freedom and actually isn't really giving them even the financial backing that they need to do what they need to do. They're just sort of getting abused by this major label system that's crumbling. So it's sort of this like tricky area where I'm I, like growing up to me, that was sort of like the best. It's like, oh, you get signed to a right. label and then you're like set. He's on but, a major. Yeah. But like nowadays, it is much more like you're not even going to get courted by a label unless you've done it all yourself already. Yeah, and you if can... you've done it all yourself already at that point, then you like, why do the you labels. really need those yeah. people? You can so, promote it, you can create it, you can distribute it. Yeah. I mean, I still think there's like definitely a value to hooking up with maybe some form of management if they're not total sleazeballs or like a booking agent who actually has your best interests in mind. But you got to sort of be able to do that stuff yourself at this point too. You did mention that that now artists have to kind of play multiple roles mm-hmm. and uh, sort of be there the management and the promoter and the label and all this stuff. Do you guys feel that that empowers you more to like own your music? Uh, that, or do you feel like if you had the support of other people, you would ha- be able to, you know, spend more time focusing on just the music? I think it's undeniable that there is a lot of time that goes into doing the other stuff that maybe arguably could be spent making music that's like that's that's, that's yeah, a fact you can't we can't avoid that uh, on the other and and you know a lot of the time i do you know obviously you wish that you could just kind of like focus on making music and then people would just kind of show up to your shows and do all that stuff but that i don't know that's not really how it works anymore. i think it's undeniably great now with the internet because you can do all these things yourself and it takes time 
but you can get more creative with it. It's not like you need to play one good show in front of some music executives right. that will sign you <laughs> and pay, you know, your 20 grand to record a record. You can do it yourself. You can do it in your basement on GarageBand or Pro Tools or Logic uh, with your Fender guitar and, you know, some shitty amps and shit. And it, you can make it sound good. And I think that's 100% giving power to, like, this... The, the musicians to the, the smaller people that won't necessarily get recognized. And it's tough because you have to do a lot of other things yourself. But in the past, like only the 1% people got, you know, picked up by these guys and yeah. looked up by these guys. I think the more that you can make it open book, the more that you can make anyone that wants to make something creative, give them a voice on the internet, give them a voice on you know on GarageBand or whatever, the better it will be. Yeah, and you can let the fans decide what's good. And let what's the not. fans decide, and it's, there is kind of more of like there is kind of this kind of weird like din of mediocrity as well, though. So it's like yeah, for trying, sure. to, trying oh, to get noticed, yeah. you know, if you're trying to like send your stuff to, you know, like a blog or whatever, it is it is probably trickier when there's when they're getting kind of you know or even getting gigs a lot of the time, right? Yeah, you know, getting right now, gigs. Like, you know, it's like you're trying, we're trying to you know book a show at a place that we could you know we could fill up, but it's like. These guys get a hundred emails a day because it's like you know in a spot in between SF and LA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just like not even gonna play there because yeah. there are plenty of guys who are you know kind of trying to do this thing. And... I mean that's probably always been the case, but I guess it's in terms of booking, like everybody wants to play shows. But I, I think that like it's almost I mean there's almost no need for any new recorded music. It's like you could spend your entire life listening to everything that's been recorded already. Yeah. You know, and, and so there's sometimes I'm sort of I sort of feel like hearing new bands is just like a little droplet of water. You know, like how can you even do anything that's new and exciting? But it still does happen. It's just there's a lot of white noise out there. And I'm not saying that when there was like the system of major labels, it was any better. You know, that like it's just that you had when at that point it was like a label owner or like an A&R person telling you what was worth listening to. Now it's like a pitchfork is telling you what's worth listening right. to. You know, like it's just that blogs. There are different king makers as it yeah, were. Yeah. I mean, it is all sort of just the same thing. It's just that there, it's just, I guess maybe part of the difference is that now you don't have this like major sort of granddaddy who's like throwing hunks of money at bands. Well, they are, they still to, are. I mean, there's certainly still the pop scene. And a lot of America listens to those Clear Channel records, right? Yeah. But there's just a voice for a lot of other people. But I'm surprised that you would say just being a drop in the ocean is a negative thing. I mean, just being a drop in the ocean means that you're part of the ocean. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, that's but a good it, thing. But it, but it is kind of funny. You you see these blogs. No, and it's like, they're they're Even literally... You, they're just you make something, you're part of something. But they're regurgitating the same PR thing that somebody sent out to the same 50 blogs. Right, right. And they're literally just vomiting out. They're like pretending that's their post. And they're just saying the exact same thing about the same band. It's like it's it's like fake news. It's like some kind of like weird like BuzzFeed like list article right. or something. Where it's like, <laughs> oh, <don't give> <laughs> you know, but it's the same thing where it's like, you know, it's like, it's just like this kind of like content. It's like sometimes with that, it's, it's frustrating seeing that game being played too because it's just like someone came up with kind of like a decent narrative and that's more important than the music as well I mean, but it makes sense you know you need a good story yeah like that, that that is part of it and that's part that comes back to marketing it's like we have to as artists we have to find a way to describe ourselves that's compelling 
when you scroll down like through something and all you see of us is like a picture of us and you read like three sentences about our band like that has to mean something to you before you click on that link right and that's that's challenging too and that's and it does kind of get it's like it we're, we're not professional writers like we're not pr people but we're, we're we have to learn how to do can that can we turn this around should we these guys know a lot about us should we ask them to give us like a like a two or three sentence overview yeah for your for your press release or something how about you guys write us a press release right now we're from maine i don't know if you want that dude i don't know if you want that i've had a few beers yeah yeah it takes time to craft that kind of magic but uh but anyways yeah but it's true man it's it's a lot of play that game and it's a different game and it's an and it's I'm not trying to complain about it. Right, it's just yeah. it's interesting that, that that is kind of where it is. But that I mean, you know, but if you can play by those rules and if you make killer music, then you can do it. And right. we've seen plenty of bands from this area doing that exact thing, and that's awesome. So that's it is there is an element of empowerment that's kind of come through, even if it's you know, there's a lot of work to be done and it might not really be the skill set you associate with a musician. Yeah. But you know, you can do it. Right. And that's awesome. Yeah, I think that was well said. At what point does uh, does the pop music label structure become irrelevant, though? Because right now, the way I look at it is that the pop music scene, that what used to be the like mainstream of you know music worldwide, the major labels, radio stations, all the things that built the industry, are now essentially just propping up you know, manufactured pop. It's on is... such another plane, man. It's on such another level. Yeah. You get like like the breakdowns like uh the guy from South Korea. Yeah. Uh, Psy. PSY and Macklemore that like yeah. had huge success doing that. But otherwise, I mean, these guys they can foster, they find these talent young talents, they foster them, they put them in the rooms with guys that were doing Michael Jackson albums and just like just and then have the payola kind of relationships with these djs that are just pushing it but i'm sorry i jumped in front of you guys <laughs> no i don't know how dare you <laughs> i mean it, it, it pisses me off because i think good. about it a lot that's funny dude because no, I mean, it feels totally unrelevant to my yeah. life that whole question right yeah. at I, what I, point I, do we do we abandon this though i mean it's like Right you now, guys listen to top forty rate. I mean, there's like, there's so few. Every once in a while, I was like, all right, that's a badass song. Like even yeah. like, you know, even like Rihanna or some stuff. I'll be like, all right, that's pretty killer. Anything yeah, Kanye. You know? Anything Kanye. Anything yeah, Kanye. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, you, like, Kanye's not on the radio much. I think we have abandoned it, but it's still gonna it's, exist for his new album for a lot of reasons. Because there's always going to be that yeah. market. But it's funny. I mean, I think there. I mean, obviously, there's still a lot of money that's being made there, and you know, and country music radio is still absolutely massive. That's obviously. true. But it's like you know? pretty much like you you flip through the radio, and it's like mostly country stations. I feel like nowadays. Even in the Bay, which yeah. is like yeah. really, yeah, it's uh, just like tons of. Well, maybe not in the Bay, but like you know, going around the country, man. You know, we were out there. So much country music, and that's where all the CD sales are too. There's still money there, but I think you're right. As as far as like mechanisms for how people hear new music now i mean and, and you know we've talked about about how empowering it is but then on the other side of it, you have to look at things like spotify and say well actually they're pretty right. terrifying for, for for artists like us as far as yeah it's, it's horrible i mean it, at least finan financially we make i think like 0 0.04 cents per per stream you know it's crazy how little uh small artists make and you know like tom york and, and radiohead 
have boycotted Spotify for that reason. Because they said, you know, all right, we, we secured a decent percentage because we work with a major label. But for, I mean, it, it's funny because we're totally willing to sign up for it because we just want people to listen to us. Yeah, I mean, right. we... but, but, you know, but at the same time, that means that we've financed, you know, putting out an EP, which was not cheap, you know, and we've done that out of like our own band funds. A lot of times. Yeah. And we are not seeing, we're, we're, we've probably paid for about like, as far as like the recording costs, you know, out of like 50,000 plays on Spotify, let's say, I think it's around that. I think we probably recouped about 10% of the album. We've got yeah, 30, recording 30K then, on one song. Yeah. But then, you know, I always have to think of like, what, would those what? people have bought an album at all? Would they even well, have listened no, but, to us? But, but I mean, I guess or... I guess my question is like, why do do musicians deserve money for creating art? Do artists deserve money? Yes. What? Yes. Uh, I think we're getting back to the same thing here. What yeah. the fuck are you talking if about, you're, Peter? Why would you? If <laughs> would mean, you rather make nothing on an album, doing a whole album, if you could sell out? 10 shows, 15 shows, and for a long time, that's how artists made money. I mean, that's yeah. how all these artists that now yeah. are making money, mm. they're losing money to the producers, to the managers, to everyone. They're making sense on the die. Yeah, that's pretty much the only way to make money these days, it's it touring. seems, is touring and merchandise. So yeah. if we have a good album that... <laughs> Greg is using an iPhone. <laughs> right How's that gonna work out? <laughs> and it's oh. 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 sorry, we're we're in the same band. <laughs> it does work. We're in a, a Queen cover band. <laughs> really good. No, but I mean, my question came off as insensitive. But I mean, like a band of of our level, like, are we really of our like level of recognition? Are we really? It seems a little bit like presumptuous to be like we deserve to be making a living off of this because like in a way we don't really you know like maybe a at a certain ways. point like you do want to make once you've reached a certain point like you do want to be making money off like a living off of it but like i don't think that it should be assumed that just because like you are an artist that you should get paid to do that like you need to totally and i think even if you're a really good artist you shouldn't necessarily assume that you should live off that. I mean, the, there are a lot of good artists that had to work other jobs while they were. Yeah. And I feel like part of being an artist is doing it be, not necessarily because, like, you think that you should be paid for it, but because, like, you can't not create it. Right. Like, right. You, exactly. You have to do it. It's, like, part of who you are. And so I'm not trying to say, like, artists don't shouldn't get any money because I think right, it's right. fucked up. But, I mean, I think I think that... You also can't feel entitled. Yeah, but if, what, if, what if we all quit our day jobs? Would it be any different? Would we really be selling that many more records? That would well, we'd be playing time. different gigs. Like we would take the gig that in LA would pay us, you know, yeah. four grand last minute to go do that, right? When did we ever get an offer like that? <laughs> <laughs> the Tumbleweeds just got that offer. Yeah. Well, we're, we're are you in their it. email chain? How are you <laughs> getting this inside information? I Instagram. <laughs> But, uh, oh, yeah. they're putting that online. That's fucking gross. <laughs> no, it's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's, I mean, it is an interesting topic to discuss because it's a challenging one, too. Well, nowadays, information is so readily available and it's free. You can, I can pull up on YouTube right now pretty much any song ever recorded, no matter how obscure, and I can listen to it, and I'm not paying. Anybody, and you can listen to it with like absolutely abysmal audio quality. The worst sound yeah. quality. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that's where the bass. But you know, the that brings up like what 
actually where does the value lie? Like, what is the value? Mm -hmm. Obviously, we know that that art has value in society. I think mm -hmm. art is one of the few things that actually has value mm -hmm. in society. It's the only thing that actually changes things is art. You know, revolution rarely starts because of politics. It starts because of artists like showing people what's actually happening and then it, those people internalizing it. So mm -hmm. art has real value, but we haven't created a system where that value can be uh, determined and, you know, allocated to people mm -hmm. in a way. We can, because information is freely available, you have to really start to question, well, what, you know, I'm consuming this and it's affecting me and at what point do I owe Get that person that. something in a, in a certain respect? You know, and it's funny because yeah. it, you know it's all, it all comes down to the internet. Because once downloading became a thing and like Napster and all that, it was kind of like it was kind of game over. Yeah. And since then, consumers we haven't looked back. Since then, yeah, like you do, music was free basically. Right. Is what's happened. Yeah. And that's what's tanked the the old school model. That's why there aren't executives picking up like eight million yeah. dollar bonuses at the major labels anymore. Like they're that's why they're all struggling. That's why everyone who was in A and R, like ninety percent of them got cut. It's the reason why the whole you know music industry is in turmoil. I would say that's why. Yeah, I think it, oh, it, inability to adapt evolve. Well, yeah, well, well yeah, exactly. For but, sure. but that that's what's happened, right? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. People kind of there's this new medium, and people kind of decided that they didn't really want to pay for that anymore. But once they realized that they didn't have to, then they yeah. Not going to. yeah. And and I I still I know I have a Spotify premium account and I feel kind of dirty about it man like I yeah. can I can just like in, in the space of five minutes I can add like ten new playlists and like select available offline on my Wi-Fi I just have those albums now period yeah. anywhere Spotify is makes it's, you feel dirty too it's terrifying it's like you're looking it's for crazy. everything you can get you anything. just have to Casa that stuff it's like Napster <laughs> LimeWire LimeWire <laughs> And now you, you have to work just... for it a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. then you get some pretty nasty uh, viruses with that too. <laughs> Any other extracurricular downloads you were doing <laughs> on there? Oh, you mean like video games? Yes, <laughs> exactly, video games. Yeah. No, but it, you know, it's interesting, and I, I'm not really sure what it, where, what, where, it, where we end up as a result of that. All I know is that you know, no, we no, just no. want people to as many people as possible to listen to our music. So. No, yeah, we'll put it up exactly. on SoundCloud. We'll put it up on Spotify. We'll put it up on our Bandcamp for free and iTunes, whatever you know, wherever wherever we can throw it, we'll Just put it up. Take it. If it's yeah. another platform, that's where we are as a band. I think that's where a lot of bands are. And right I now. think a lot of good artists, like I mean, a lot of the artists that I respect, feel the same way. Like Radiohead put In Rainbows up for free. They're just like, just take it. Or pay you, what you want, right? Yeah, pay what you want. Pay what you want. want. They yeah. just put it up there. I mean, yeah, that's the right that. thing. And that was one of the best albums that's been made in the past 10 oh. years. So, like, yeah. And they, they're just like, that's the right mentality. Instead of being like a Metallica, Metallica it's like, oh, we're right. not, we're going to sue you guys for doing this. It's like, we're making music. We He's play, we play games. It's like being a fucking baseball player. You're like out there doing what you love. All day, and doing it really well, and everyone wants to listen to it. So why would you restrict that? You know. Yeah. Let me down, Lars. <laughs> Let me down, Lars. <laughs> Lars, you struck out in the eighth. Well, that was a big thing, actually. I mean, MP3.com when when I was coming up was like, you know, I had a huge profile on there, and then was building shit up and all this. All this stuff and gener generating a following, and then all of a sudden, Metallica comes along and says, "Oh well, 
this existing threatens my existence and is mm. is stealing from me therefore this shouldn't exist but there were many other people who were suddenly getting the chance to sort of flourish in that environment mm -hmm. that is yeah. just cut down that's the thing man it's, well, and it's cool. are you an artist or are you like i, I make music myself commodity, right yeah you know I, mean, what I mean yeah it's the, the the purpose of it is to get it out there to the world yeah, yeah. it's you know well, and if you, you can make money from it then can yeah like release a single on their Bandcamp page and then all of a sudden like blow up and yeah, then suck true. live and tank but we couldn't even have that you know if, <laughs> but people, <that's>... didn't, <laughs> if people couldn't self-release music and have it as equally weighted as the stuff that major labels self-create self-produce this gets back to what you're asking before like it totally sways the scale to our favor in terms of negotiating with any label, in terms of negotiating with any big commodity that says, in order to get your music out there, you have to work with us. We can create it ourselves. We can put it on all yeah, these it's different a, It's 100% creative control, and that's really cool. Yeah, which is incredible. When you think about yeah, 10 years ago. Yeah. 2004. I mean, we know a band who will remain nameless who just got offered a record deal with RCA and Nirvana. they're not sure if they're going to take it because wow. they feel like they could probably have more control themselves, you know? Because yeah. once RCA are interested, that means you're doing something right and you probably have enough. Yeah, you have the control. <laughs> you probably have control already. That's exactly. pretty cool. But it's also what, what can they give you other than distribution channels? Huge line of credit. <laughs> Cadillac. Cadillac. That you end up, you know, you're paying oh, for it anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're just, they're advancing it to you. Yeah, yeah and then you owe all that terrifying. back. It's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one of the, the most interesting things is that we're living in a time right now, because it's so technological, people don't make the connection, but this is really the byproduct of punk rock. This is, all of this exists because of that punk rock mentality where you can just grab something and say you know what fuck this fuck what is already there and let me just do what i want to do and put it out there and <laughs> you know one of the one of the most profound things that someone has ever said to me was that in terms of this person was talking about uh vocals recording vocals and music and your your personal singing style and whether you should try and you know change the way you sing or something like that and what this person said was that just just sing just sing with your voice and there's going to be someone out there that it resonates with mm -hmm. and that's all that matters is that you are you are putting yourself out there and other people are able to identify with it in some way and it doesn't matter if it's the most polished it doesn't matter if it you know if you have the same sort of tone as like you know the best singers in the world it's about putting yourself out there and allowing other people to play off yeah. that. And people can hear if you're faking it. Yeah. People can hear well, if you yeah, sound like Nickelback true. and you're doing your fucking, like, fake <laughs> any better thing. <laughs> Come on! If you're doing your Creed or your Nickel, yeah. you know, if, you're trying, if you're doing your fake any better, everyone, like, people can hear that and you sound like a chump, you know? Like, was your friend Mr. Rogers? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was just as inspirational. <laughs> it sounds like it. That's a very good mentality. People get afraid of that, though. Well, that's the hardest part. I mean, if if Especially everybody could do it, then 
you know, everyone would be doing it. When you create something that you're like taking a step out on, on the limb and you're like, shit, man, this is the best I can do. You want to share? Saturday, July 12th. So get those in as fast as you can. Is that a baker's pair or a normal pair? It's, <laughs> it's a pair. Baker's pair. <laughs> <laughs> Three. <laughs> no two tickets, guys. The baker's two, dozen, yeah. Two tickets, guys. <laughs> two tickets. You get two tickets. Two tickets. Yeah. Right. You can buy a negotiated right. baker's pair. Baker's <laughs> pair. All right, All right. So, drum roll, please. Yeah, question, question one is actually from, from this podcast. If you were watching it, you would have this answer. There's a chicken spot in Oakland. North Oakland. What is the name of this chicken spot? They have sandwiches. They do not have a sign. We discussed it for a while in the middle of this podcast. All right. Question two. The track San Francisco from Guy Fox's second EP features guest vocals. What is the name of the singer and what act are they most notably affiliated with? I hope you were listening. Question three. Name the three bands that were featured in the same So Far Sound event as Guy Fox. Mm. Question four. During Guy Fox's summer tour of 2013, the guys played a show in Lawrence, Kansas. What venue did they play in? Ooh. <laughs> question five. What song, what Guy Fox song, is about a house party gone wrong? All right. Shit, good luck. Good if luck, you guys. know all five Jeez. of those answers, <laughs> email them right away to info at slimspresents.com and you will win a pair of tickets to see Guy Fox here at Slim's. It's going to be an awesome show. Water yeah, Strider is. is a great band yeah, as well. So it's going to be a really solid local show. So even if you don't win the tickets, definitely come on down and check out that show. I want to thank the guys from Guy Fox again for coming down here and <laughs> yes, hanging out with do. us and being such likable fellows. Thank you, guys. Look and, good shirtless uh, as well. <laughs> look very good shirtless. <laughs> so uh, thanks for tuning in to Between You, Me, and Jose, the Slims Presents podcast. We will be back next week with another guest. Uh, follow us on YouTube, Slims Presents. We are also on Twitter, BYMJ Podcast. And uh, yeah, every Wednesday at the Slims Presents blog. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you guys. Yeah, what Thanks, up? Guys. Good